I mean, you know, we have ebbs and flows in life and everything else, but I believe we're in a season where God is so wanting us to pursue Jesus with everything that's within us. It's not just for, you know, uh, uh, full-time ministers, it's for everybody. By the way, let me just say this, I've, I've said this before, but you know, one of the biggest dangers of full-time ministry, of being involved in, in the stuff that we do, one of the biggest dangers is that, is that the work of the ministry can very easily become a substitute for intimate relationship with Jesus himself. You know, I, I have to preach so I can open my Bible and I can put some thoughts together and put a couple of verses together and have a message to give to you. Or there's a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights and sometimes I'm actually leading it so therefore I have to pray. You know, so, so, so the, the work can become uh, the thing to do and it can very easily become a substitute for actual intimate relationship with the person of Jesus himself. Does that make sense? It doesn't apply to, to full-time people only. It, it applies to everybody. That you know, We can go through the motions of life, but there's a season right now where God is really stirring our hearts, the Holy Spirit stirring our hearts to pursue Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, the person of Jesus himself. Mm. Those of you who are part of this church know we have a goal to try to finish at 12. That's only a, that's a moving target, obviously. And I'm very good with that, especially if it's as a result of the movement of the Spirit. So I had a, a lovely presentation. I think it was a lovely presentation. Um... Well, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk and then I think what I want to do at the end. Yeah, if we can set it up, please, because I still want to do, I want to give us five um, prayers. Those of us who are here on Wednesday night, this is going to be a repeat for some of you. But I'm going to give uh, five prayers that we can pray from the scriptures, five prayers from the scriptures that we can pray for people around us our loved ones in our midst. And um, excuse me for a moment, he needs my password, which happens to be my favorite verse in the Bible. Yeah, I still want to. I still want to give that to you, but but it's going to seem like it's um, contra to what I'm saying right now. What I'm saying right now is, yes, God God is calling us to pray, and He's raising up, you know, prayer movements all over the place and all the, uh, houses of prayer all over the place, and it's fantastic. And and the vast majority of those uh, of the mission of those places is to sort of like, you know, uh, cooperate with God to bring the kingdom of God into the earth, right? So it's, it's a lot of praying for the nations, praying for issues in, in the culture and bringing the kingdom. And it's all amazing. It's all outward prayer. 
It's fantastic and very, very important to do, and we value that very much. However, what I was about to say is that there's, there's, there's a, a call to intimate relationship with Jesus. Yes, there's value in praying for stuff out there. There's value in praying for the nations and bringing the kingdom and touching the world you know, in prayer, uh, co cooperating with God. There's, there's great value and virtue in praying for breakthrough for our friends, for our neighbors. You know, there's, we just finished a fast, and then there's still some people who feel that we, ne we need to keep going. And so people like Rachel and Joy, they're still pressing in and fasting because they want to see breakthrough and healing for friends. And that's all wonderful and amazing. Uh, but I feel, in addition to all of that, and may maybe even uh, prior or, or supreme above all of that, is this cry of the, of the, of the Spirit of God for us to recapture an infatuation with the person of Jesus. I really feel that we're, we're at in this moment. God wants to dust off, he wants to blow off any kind of cobwebs, any kind of you know, dullness, any kind of disappointment, and all the stuff that we have that would easily prevent us from having a, a vibrant, fiery love relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? I believe that's the root of everything. You know, we go back to Isabel's talk initially, first Sunday of the month, and she talked a lot about the Great Commission. Towards the end of her talk, she focused a lot on, on the Great Commission. But if you, if you paid attention, the first part of her talk was actually uh, the Spirit of God calling us to a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's where everything flows from. That's where everything flows from. Well, you know, one of my favorite, in fact, my favorite verse is Psalm 27, 4. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord. This is a psalm of David. This is a cry of David. You remember David? You know David? Not David Locke. This is David, the King David in the Bible. Right? The man after God's own heart. Here's what he said. Here's why I believe God said he's a man after God's own heart. Because here's what he said. One thing I ask from the Lord. So if God came to David and said, David, I'm going to give you one wish. I'm not a genie, so I'm not going to give you three wishes. I'm going to give you one wish. What is the wish of your heart? And here's, here's, here's his response. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is, the, this is King David. This is the guy who had multiple responsibilities. He had a whole nation to take care of. He had to, he had to fight battles. He had, there was so much. He was too busy not to pray. He had too much going on on, on, on his agenda every single day. Every single day. But he said, the one thing that I really desire the most, top priority in my life, number one thing in my life is to spend time in God's presence, to be with Him, to be with Him. And I believe that's, the, that's what the Holy Spirit's echoing in this day, in this hour. There's a wooing of our hearts. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come even now. And Lord, would you just blow your breath over our hearts. 
Would you awaken? Lord, would you blow on the embers, the, um, the fire in our heart, and would you increase that fire, that fiery desire for you, Lord God, for the person of Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Lord, would you give us a vision of Jesus and what he's done for us? Would you give us a vision of his suffering that our hearts would, would burn with a fresh desire? to know you, to know your ways. Lord, we've seen, Lord, we, we love the work of your hand. We love the good stuff you do for us. But we really want your face. My heart says to me, seek his face. Your face, O oh Lord, will I seek. Your face, O oh Lord, not your hands, not your feet, your face, O oh Lord do I seek? Holy Spirit, make this live, make this alive in each and every hungry heart in this place. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you that you're, awake, you're awakening a fiery passion for Jesus in many of us in this room. We say more, Lord. Increase, increase. We bless what you're doing, Holy Spirit. We bless where you're moving across this congregation. Lord, would you continue? We ask for more. Lord, we've been ruined for anything less. Than encounters with the living God. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of um, prophetic words that have been flying around uh, about, you know, the harvest is coming and the billion soul harvest. And we, I totally uh, get that. In fact, most of you know probably that this thing that Bob Jones prophesied, was that in 1984 when he first said that? Like a long time ago, this guy said, and he repeated it many times, but initially, I believe, if I have it right, in 1984, he gave a whole bunch of prophetic utterances, and one of them was that when the Kansas City, when the Kansas City Chiefs win. So if I'm true, if I'm correct, if that's 1984, that's 36 years. 36 years, and then now they've just won an amazing game come back, uh, come from behind after like, you know, with, with five minutes left in the game or something like that, something crazy like that. And, and they won the game. And he said, when that happens, that'll be the beginning of the billion soul harvest. And that will be the, uh, the rising up of, of apostolic chiefs and all that kind of stuff, whatever, whatever that means. But, uh, and it's happened. And it's amazing. It's incredible this has happened. And, uh, but here's the point I want to make. That, that is never automatic. Uh, when, when prophetic words are given, it's not, it's not automatic that they will happen. God is always partnering with us. And part of our, part of our role is to pray. I'll give you an example from the Bible. When, Dave, when uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel in the book of Daniel, the people of Israel were in exile in Babylon. And he happened to be reading the scribe of Jeremiah. Uh, old, a prophet of 
that prophesied before. And as he was reading, it dawned on him that the 70, year, um, 70 years of being in exile was up. He was reading, he did his calculations, he pulled out his calculator, did his calculations, and he figured out it's been 70 years since we've been in captivity. So the prophetic word is we'll be set free. Hallelujah, let's pack my bags. The first thing he did was he fell on his knees and he began to pray and he began to ask the Lord. In fact, he, he, he did what we refer to as identificational repentance. He repented on behalf of the people for the reason why they were in exile. Reasons why they were in exile, which basically was because of their, of their sinfulness. But anyway, he prayed and prayed, and then stuff happened. And the point I'm making there is that when, 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 when prophetic words happen, uh, it's never automatic that they will come to pass. God is, God is always inviting us to co-lead with him, co-rule with him. And a big part of that is praying his purposes into the earth, isn't it? Our friend uh, Mark DuPont, some of you know Mark DuPont. He's the guy who prophesied the initial outpouring back in 94. One of the things that Mark said was that, that, that prophecy is an invitation uh, or a springboard into the pool of prayer. When we get prophetic words especially if they come to pass or they're, you know, the promise is obvious, well then the first thing we do is we actually pray. Amen? So, uh, yeah. So I believe that's, that's one reason why there's a stirring in our midst because yes, the, the prophet's word has come to pass, but in order for the fulfillment to be maximized, we need to be praying. Amen? And the starting point is, is rekindling a passion for the person of Jesus. And then everything flows from there. Right? So, ah, what do you guys want to do now? Well, yeah. There's another thing I'm, that's actually, I'm actually becoming very aware of. And uh, it's this. Uh, there's something gorgeous about being other focused. Right? There's, you know, we can, we, it's very easy for us to pray, Lord bless me, Lord help me, Lord deliver me, Lord set me free, Lord me, me. And that's all, that's, that's, that's natural, that's expected really. Uh, pray for yourself. But it's something amazing when we actually go beyond that and we begin to pray for other people. I believe, I believe when we do that, we actually become a bit more like Jesus because Jesus has always been other-focused, right? He's always been other-focused. And so, and so in prayer, we can, we can have the same sort of attitude. We can pray for ourselves. If you remember last week, Elsie gave us the circles uh, to, to pray through and the starting point was praying for ourselves. Uh, so what I want to give today, very briefly, is five prayers that we can pray. I'm going to skip a lot of stuff. Oh, look at that beautiful praying through acts. Has anybody ever come across this before? Yeah, the, the, the people who have come from good evangelical backgrounds probably have. Let me, just, let me just take a minute with this. Look, for those of us who find prayer a challenge, all right? Here's a simple, there are many ways we can, we can, we, we can pray, but here's a wonderful little 
uh, system. You okay with the word system? Here's a way of praying. It's ACTS, A-C-T-S. The first thing we do as we begin to pray is we, we worship. Adoration, A is for adoration. We worship and praise God. You know, we, we come into God's presence with praise. And we lift him up. We magnify who he is. So we can do that with our own voice or we can have CDs playing. I, I don't sing too much because I have somebody else living in the place I live and I don't want her ears to be damaged too much. So I use, I'm listening to Mark. Mark Redman right now. I got him on uh, repeat. His Matt Redman. I, I have his um, latest album, which is amazing. The same Jesus. Whoa. Stay on target here. Adoration. We worship. Worship and praise. And then we confess. We confess sins as we come into God's presence. Lord, is there anything in my life that is offensive to you? I, I want to repent of that. Uh, is there any sins that, I, that, that I'm in, engaging with, um, uh, money coddling? Is there any fleshy activity that, I'm, uh, that, uh, that causes you offense? I confess that. I ask for forgiveness. The third thing is, is thanksgiving. We come and we express our gratitude. God, you're totally amazing. You're wonderful. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy to be exalted. And we give you thanks for all you've done. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for, for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit living on a, in, in us. Thank you for my wonderful, amazing wife. Amen. And then the last thing is, is uh, supplication, which basically means petitions. Supplication is an old, you know, old word, but it means uh, praying. So petitions would be primarily praying for yourself. Lord, uh, bless my family, bless my job, bless this, bless that. That's all good. Uh, but then there's inter intercession, which is praying for others. So there you go. There's a little, if, if prayer is a challenge for you, try this. Okay, five, very quick, very quickly, five different prayers that are biblically based that I think we can pray that would help us when we think of uh, praying for other people. I, I, say, I said praying for loved ones, but it doesn't apply to loved ones. Anybody in our lives that we have access, you know, that we have continual relationship with, that we can pray in this way for them. And the first one is praying that the Holy Spirit would be at work. In, uh, in John chapter 16, Jesus says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, quickly, what does he mean by that? Praying for, for concerning sin. Uh, for John, for the, for the writer of the, the book of John, uh, the reason, uh, the biggest issue for him or, or, or his thing about sin is that when people don't believe in who Jesus is, that is sin. That is a sinful nature of humanity. When we don't believe in Jesus, that is sin. He's not talking about sins, things that we do that are wrong, but the fundamental root cause of sins is sin, and sin is when we don't put our trust our full confidence in who Jesus is. So, he, so, so we're praying, God, can you help the people in my, in my world? Can you help my family members? Can you help them see who Jesus really is? And then they, they do not believe in me. Uh, sorry, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and he will see me no longer. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means uh, that John is saying that Jesus has gone to the Father because the work that Jesus did 
has been completed. He came as a child. He lived his life. He, he suffered on the cross. He died. He went into the grave. He rose again, and then he ascended to heaven. And in that process, he is now, he has now completed the task. And therefore, righteousness is available to us because of what Jesus has done. We don't have to work to become righteous. We embrace what Jesus has done concerning righteousness, right? Is, is, is that making sense for everybody? And then finally, judgment. As far as John is concerned, the devil was judged at the cross, okay? And, and a, a related aspect of that in terms of judgment is that, is that we are accountable to this God who is alive, who is real, our creator. We are accountable to him because he created us, he gave us choice, and because of, our, because of creating us and because of choice, we are now accountable to him. Good? So we can pray that Holy Spirit will be at work in our family members. Everybody okay with this? I'm trying to look at the people who seem engaged, not the ones who are yawning at the moment. Okay, eyes would be open. Here's another prayer that we can pray. This is also very important. I want to read another piece of scripture as well. Uh, I will rescue you from, this is uh, the book of Acts. So this is Paul giving one of his testimonies of how he, how he became a believer in Jesus and then, uh, and then his mission in life. Uh, so Jesus said to Paul, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What a powerful prayer to pray. We can pray this. We can pray that the people in our lives that we love, if they don't want to hear from us, Lord, can you send people to them who would tell them the good news so that their eyes can be opened and turn from darkness to light. Yeah. Amazing. The related thing is this. is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. This is Paul again. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So when people don't respond to the gospel, fundamentally it's because there's a blinder, there's a veil over their eyes. And it's through, it's through our praying and it's through our preaching of the word that that veil is removed. Amen? I said on Wednesday that I was part of a ministry that was uh, actively involved in giving fantastic explanations, good, logical, profound explanations as to why the gospel is true, why Jesus is who he says he is. But the challenge has been that very few people actually respond to the logic of the gospel. They need an encounter, a supernatural encounter with God for them to come to faith in Christ, don't they? I'm not denigrating the importance of explaining the gospel to people and, and doing good, good old-fashioned apologetics. But fundamentally, it's the power of the Spirit that bring people, brings people to faith in Christ. 
isn't it? It's, it's when the power of God is there that the veil is removed through, the, through the, the preaching of the word, through the praying of the saints, through signs, one of the miracles. Amen? So that, there we go. And the third thing we can pray is, is um, asking for God's kindness to be manifested. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness uh, for forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I love this. I think it's so important because in my earlier days, uh, when I was praying for my family members and friends that I wanted to see saved, you know, I, w I, w I would pray, God, would you pull the rug out of their, out from under them? They fall on their faces, and then they come to realize who you are, Jesus. That's what I used to pray. Come on, knock them down, man. Kick them so they discover who Jesus really is. That's the problem. My prayers weren't based on Christian love. That's the whole problem right there. <laughs> it's much more biblical to pray that God, uh, God's kindness, people would discover and see that they're, all the stuff that they're propping themselves up their successes in life. I was speaking about my family on Wednesday, how, you know, they're self-aware people, they're self-assured people, and so they don't see any need for a Savior. And so what the Spirit of God needs to do is to show them that their successes, the good stuff that's happened in their lives is as a result of the blessing of God, and so they'll discover the kindness of God and the goodness of God, so their hearts become open to them. Praying for people to get knocked down and for the rug to be pulled out is no guarantee that they will respond to Jesus, is it? In fact, they may even put bigger barriers between them and God. Anyway, it's the work of the Spirit. So the fourth thing, fourth thing is a heart of flesh. Back in Ezekiel, back in the Old Testament, I will give this God's promise, God's future promise that he would give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We all fully know that that's been, uh, that that's come to pass uh, through Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Right? Amen? And so we can pray for our family members, we can pray for our friends, that they would, that they would have a new heart, have a new spirit. And then finally, Draw them, Father. Jesus made this incredible promise. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. And the reason why this is so powerful is because we know that it is God's desire that all would be saved and that none would perish. Correct? And so it's God's heart. He's always wanting to woo people and to draw people in. We can partner with him by praying, Father, would you draw them? Would you draw them to Jesus? Would you open their eyes? They can see who Jesus is. Amen? You guys good with this? I'm giving you five. There are many, many ways you can pray for people around you. But I'm giving you five. And the main reason I'm giving you five is because I'm discovering that we need to do stuff in order to get this prayer thing going. We need the, some of us need tracks to run on. Right? We need a little bit of direction. So you can, you can take any one of these prayers... Uh, and, and, you know, pick, pick one prayer and pick one person in your life and spend a month praying every single day for praying that prayer over that person. 
if you have a greater if you have greater capacity take f five of those prayers and pray those five things over a bunch of people in your life however it works for you but but grab grab hold of this and begin to be uh, at work praying co-ruling co-reigning with Christ right now to see the kingdom of God come and be manifested in the lives of the people that we love, the ones that are closest to us. Does that make sense? So here's what we're going to do right now. Here's the five prayers again. What I'd like us to do, whether you like it or not, if you can stand, if you're able to stand, what I'd love you to do is to grab a couple of people around you and really quickly take next five minutes or so, let's pray uh, for... Let's take turns praying for at least one person in our life who is not quite a believer. Maybe they're a prodigal, or maybe they are a believer, but they're wobbly. Pray for, pray for somebody in your life that you would like to see uh, be as much on fire for Jesus as you are.